Right now is the trending news. It's uh, the very important Mighty Jame. He's the researcher, analyst, social and political commentator. Welcome to the show, Mighty. How are you doing? Very well. Good morning to you and good morning to the listeners. Oh, yeah. We are so excited because one of my favorite artists that I grew up listening is getting an award. The one and only. Well, I mean, he must be celebrating all night long. Does that give you a clue? (laughs) (laughs) Talking about Lionel Richie, yeah, yeah, He's very deserving, very I, deserving award. What I like about this because he was, he was saying something to the effect of uh, this icon award that he got at the 17th AMA is that it was surreal for him because he started his career in the audience wanting to receive an award. Yeah, yeah, you often hear that at award ceremonies, you know, that some of the people who were there and were obscure at the time ended up, you know, winning. But I think Lionel Richie has definitely had a career that is um, second to none. His, I mean, music spans decades and people are still listening to him now. I mean, that is the sign of longevity, right? I mean, in South Africa, we know that Lionel Richie is going to be played every Sunday at the very <laughs> least. At the very least. But his, his, his musical contribution spans decades and I think... He is one of the most deserving um, artists. And, and also he has been able to have that kind of longevity in music, which is very, very rare, I think, and not so common now where people fall off and there are all of these discussions about artists not having, you know, uh, stamina to actually stay throughout different decades, different ways and movements. But he has been able to be a staying force. And that's something that's, Quite powerful. Hmm. He's talking about stamina and staying force. I mean, he's 73 years old and he's got his girlfriend who's 33 years old. <laughs> talk about, I don't know, what do you talk about here? <laughs> staying power. <Nah. laughs> Oh, clearly, clearly. clearly. Uh, he's, he's, he's still, uh, he's, you know, he's still a, a rock star, still, still uh, pursuing those kind of lifestyle choices, um, you know, and uh, well... <laughs> He, he does still look very, very, uh, you know, in shape and healthy mm. for a man who's 73. Um, you know, I'm looking at some of the, uh, the footage mm. here. And, yeah, he, he definitely has defied time and age. He has. I mean, you're right. You look at him, you think, whoa, he looks great for whatever age. At any age, he looks great. He looked great. So he's won 17 AMAs over the course of his career. He holds the record for the most music video wins. So he was the icon at the uh, award ceremony. So what a, I mean, like huge congratulations to him. And we all grew up, I don't know about you, listening to this icon called Lionel Richie. Mm, Lionel, Lionel Richie is definitely, definitely. I think also it's good that they gave him this award uh, almost as a reminder that talent is hype and clout mm. every time. Because, I mean, we, 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 we have not really, in our discussion, focused just on the immense talent that Lionel has. You know, to have come out of the Commodores and to have done all of the things that he did. I mean, the, the, the level of vocal talent and range and musical wizardry, I think it's something that needs to be underlined to young performers that, yes, there are always these movements, there are always these moments and trends and things that tick tock, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is what every musician is chasing now, you know, mm-hmm. that they want to have a, a tick tock jingle. And then you have this artist 
who comes and underlines that ultimately you can have these moments, you know, but if your talent level is just so, uh, you know, perfected, then that really is what becomes your legacy. Hmm. That's just uh, sums up everything about the American Music Awards. So if you're wondering what we're talking about, it's Lionel Richie who took home the Icon Award at the 2022 AMAs. He was honored in, in a star-studded tribute that included Stevie Wonder, Smokey Robinson, oh, two great icons there, Charlie Puth and Melissa Etheridge. So much there. So congratulations to Lionel Richie bagging the Icon Award at the 2022 American Music Awards. Or just something more serious and slightly less entertaining was uh, Limpo Hani, the wife of Chris Hani, reacting to the court's decision to grant Hani's killer, Janos Valus, parole. And Mamo Hani saying she refers to uh, the ruling in South Africa and quote unquote where she says, in South Africa they are gods. What they say goes. You know about karma. I give them two years. She was very vocal yesterday. I remember reading an article about it and where they had to put a disclaimer uh, in terms of her language. But, I mean, putting emotions aside, Mighty, can you give us an insight into this? And according to the law, does he qualify for parole? Because, you know, courts are and should never make emotional decisions. Well, you know, um, I think he does meet the criteria for parole as it was, um, you know, stipulated in, in all of the regulations. And I think his uh, legal team and the people around him made sure that he would follow all of the processes, you know. And sometimes it's about resources and it's about knowledge of all of the systems and processes, you know, as are many things, you know, because uh, other people, I think, were saying at this particular moment that they are, you know, PAC comrades who are still in prison um, and have not received any parole. And part of that is because they've never had legal support to be able to explore all of their avenues. Um, and part of that is because of whatever decisions or, or, or consequences may have befallen them as they were living a prison lifestyle because it's a very rough lifestyle. And sometimes you can actually get time added based on things that happened inside prison. Um, so I think on the, 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 there are two issues here that run parallel, uh, actually three. One is the grief that South Africa still has about the killing of Chris Honey. Mm. Let, let's not under, um, you know, estimate how much frustration there was about what could have been with him because people viewed him as an authentic leader. People really loved him. Uh, they viewed him as part of the future. And what happens now is that everyone is really frustrated about what we have received from the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, you're sitting in the restaurant, the, the chef that you liked is not available on the day. Mm-hmm. And then the chef who's working just gives you whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And then now you're like, hey, but I didn't even come here for this chef. I actually wanted Chris Honey. And that's mm-hmm. where a lot of South Africa is. And looking at the high levels of unemployment, the high levels of corruption, the high levels of opulence by prominent leaders where they are seen in nightclubs with young girls popping bottles. These are things that everyone knows. Uh, and then they see them, you know, in the high spots of South Africa driving these flashy cars, living recklessly, telling everybody you have no money, you are nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, and even if it's not vocalized sometimes, it's uh, it's body language. 
And then people think about honey and what he represented. And they have grief. And there is also anger because there was incomplete justice. The killer of Chris Honey did serve time, you know, and he has been in jail for a long time. Mm. But the nation is none the wiser about who made that order. What was the basis upon which that assassination was committed? Mm. Who were the people implicated? And that also creates a source of deep frustration, you know, that the, the justice was incomplete. So there's, there's that national grief. There's the personal grief, mm. and then there are the substantive issues of law and the inconsistencies in the application of law, which exists. I think that really um, encapsulated all of the things that were happening yesterday. Sometimes the technical argument can be in your favor, mm. but um, the political argument and the social argument still not in your favor. So I think my contribution is not going to be necessary to critique the, the decisions that were made yesterday in terms of the substantive law, but to point out that there would have been a lot of unease yesterday uh, with people who were following things, because on the one side, uh, one of the, 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 the black presidents of South Africa was being told, you know, you need to go back to jail. And, and uh, the killer of Krisani was being told, you can go free. And it happened on the same day, mm. you know, different courts, uh, Supreme Court of Appeal and, uh, you know, Constitutional Court, different courts. But the effect of the decision, I think, to many people would have been a little bit unsettling, you know, especially considering that there are unresolved issues mm. of justice because we went through the TRC. Mm. And um, by going through the TRC, there was a, a decision actively made that criminal consequences would not be pursued for some of the people were architects and, uh, you know, orchestrators of one of the greatest crimes against humanity being apartheid, one of the longest greatest crimes against humanity, because that happened for over 40 years. So now, if you think about all of that, there is going to be this ground-level frustration to be like, is this thing working for me? Yeah. Is this thing working for us? Because look at the things that are going on here. You know, look at the dynamics. Look at the privileges, the benefits. My guy is dead. I don't know who even killed him. Mm. You know, uh, presidents died with Nobel Peace Prizes, and they were celebrated around the world. And our presidents have to go through what many will perceive to be indignity, to be being dragged through the mud, you know, as a result um, of a contempt uh, judgment. And it may feel a little bit overwhelming to people. And I think that what we saw yesterday with the widow of Chris Hardy mm. in that moment was all of those things, the grief, the anger, the frustration, the, criti the criticism of the institutions and whether or not they work for the people of South Africa. And I think that's why it resonated with people. You know, if you think about it as a speech that was written, it was all over the place. Mm. But if you think about it as an emotional statement, it really touched people right where many of them felt that. That's exactly how I feel. Oh, Mighty, you've covered everything. Yes, we understand the law is the law, but it was, I think, heartbreaking to watch uh, Chris Hani's wife speak after that verdict. And I mean, there's no such thing as coincidence in this case where, you know, the man that murdered Hani was given parole. And then the same day, the former president Zuma's medical parole has been reversed. And I remember in 1920, Justice Minister Ronald Lamola refusing um, Janusz Valus's parole. Mm. 
I think he also understood the the political dynamics of all of this. You know, it, it also happens just before the conference now, you know. So sometimes things happen in history in ways that um, just underline, you know, the contradictions, underline the national moment. And I think, you know, people within the ANC have always been sensitive to the fact that, you know, um, the release of this man in any shape or form, while the justice is incomplete. Mm. If we knew, if we knew everyone who killed Hani, I think maybe there would be some kind of humane sympathy for an old man. Mm. If we knew, and all of the people who had been implicated in that mm. were at least in jail or had faced some consequences, you know, and there had been like a trial and everything, I think there would have been closure and people would have been able to open up to the idea of, okay, yeah, this, this is how our system works, et cetera, et cetera. But because there are potentially some people out there, you know, uh, who reaped, we, we have no idea what kind of political or material benefits they reaped, you know, in terms of after having removed one of their political rivals, after mm-hmm. having, you know, um, benefited from the death of Hani. And I think that's what creates the frustration. And I think even Minister Lamula was sensitive to that, you know, to say, hey, if this man is released by me, you know, that's going to be perhaps the end of my political career because this generation that I'm part of, mm. you know, this under-50 generation has a lot of resentment towards some of the things that happened within that Kodeta transition and are frustrated. And I don't want to be part of, you know, seeming to be rubber stamping mm. anything that were done when I was, you know, just a baby. Hello, my are you there? Yes, I'm there. I'm just... Oh. Yeah, that was my last remark on it, yeah. Uh, uh, sure. This is uh, quite a moment for us, I think, in history when we have to... Un- this, there's a lot to unpack. But then we also have to go to what's happening in the moment right now, a strike mm-hmm. called by Santaco, leaving thousands of commuters stranded yesterday. And it's the first of two days of action over... What are the issues? In, what, what, what are we looking at here now? Well, it looks as if here there's a big disagreement between Santaco and the provincial government, which wants to roll out a taxi program, which is called the Blue Dot Taxi uh, Program. So this looks like um, some kind of a professionalized, let me not use the word professionalized because Mm. the taxi industry is professional, so that's the wrong word. Mm. But it seems more like a corporatized um, taxi service and a public transit system that they want to roll out in Cape Town, which will deal with Mitchell's Plain, Greater Cape Town, um, Boland, and uh, several others. And now it is being expanded. Mm. So I think that there is a resource contestation because of the way that this public works program has been designed uh, versus the way the uh, South African taxi service basically has been operating under Santaco. So what we've seen is not only the stranded customers, but also very, very uh, gruesome acts of violence, Mm. buses being burned, uh, you know, the the kind of typical intimidation that we see within the the, the taxi industry when there is this kind of a strike. What is is, an interesting contradiction, though, you know, is that last year they were the ones telling people that they don't believe in violence, they don't want to be to support any looting or any, any national strike, is what they were also talking about this year, you know, and now all of a sudden you are burning buses. Hmm. So, so what has happened, you know, because you were working amongst us, the holier than thou, you know, when, when other 
people were saying that mm. there's going to be protests, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, this is it's, it's about resources. It's uh, about the, the that contestation because uh, you know there's a lot of um, control that Santaco enjoys within the taxi industry. But at this particular moment, um, it looks as if they they're having an issue with the government of the Western Cape, and it reminds us as well about the nature of um, violence in South Africa, that we haven't gotten rid of it. And as much as we try to move on and try to, you know, make it seem as if certain spaces don't have these, you know, undercurrents, as soon as there's progress or as soon as there's change, we are very quickly reminded that we haven't moved so far away from some of the things that have been deep problems, you know, in the in the in the early 2000s, there were a lot of taxi uh, wars, confrontations on the news all the time. You'd hear that people are shot at three, etc., etc. And um, it, it, even though that has gone into the background, these undercurrents continue to exist. And I think we have to be quite honest that we still have a long way to go. You know, in terms of dealing with armed violence in South Africa, in terms of dealing with you know, different groups that can really intimidate or just direct um, issues. You know, even when you think about what was happening with Uber when it was introduced mm. and still happens now at some, you know, of the uh, of the how train uh, drop-off points, etc., where there are still no-go areas mm. for Uber, even now in 2022, as a result of that undercurrent of violence that continues to just be in everyone's faces. You know, um, part of, of, of our discourse has to really be able to say, you know, this country is is, is is policed by the police up until here. And then it's policed by these associations up until here. And it's policed by these gangs and et cetera up until here. Because you know that in Mitchell's play, it's not the police rule that is mm. the rule there. We know that women get away rank, which is the rule in the rank. Mm. And um, until we are honest about some of these things, we won't really be able to move forward and we will continue to have these kind of things. So commuters can't get to work. Some people have to sleep over at their companies so mm-hmm. that they can continue to work. It's, it's quite a mess. But I also think that having criticized the, you know, uh, Santo, uh, the South African National Taxi Council, I think what's also important is to point out that the government of the Western Cape also likes to act like they're in Europe. You know, and they didn't go and do some of the stakeholder relationship building that is required mm. to avoid these kind of things. Because if you are trying to provide service delivery in South Africa, you have to be cognizant of all of the dynamics and you have to you have to lead within your context. Because some of these things are avoidable. Mm. You can go and talk to the bosses, you know, make the necessary concessions and negotiations. Because ultimately, it's about making sure that the transport sector works and works safely for the people of South Africa. Some of these ideological points are not worth winning if people are going to die, Mm. property is going to be destroyed. And as much as we must be critical of, of the people who are using violence, we must understand that for them, they feel like their bread and butter and livelihood is being threatened. And for, for some of them, that's all they've been able to know is to drive taxis and because the education could fail them. Mm. And, you know, they, were, they came into this industry in very tough times uh, in South Africa's history. 
So to then come and say, we're going to take away your business empire or undercut your business Mm -hmm. empire without having the real discussions. These are some of the drivers of the violence. And it would be naive of us to not also look at that side of it while being critical of the fact that guns, you know, are still being used in Mm -hmm. these kinds of commercial negotiations. Sure. And I mean, you have to mention the a part of it was the economic impact of the strike. Mm. I mean, tens of millions of rands lost. Business districts were unproductive mm. due to staff, because I think there was no Uber as well to get to work. And I mean, that's not even an yeah. option for some people where they live. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, sometimes in, in Western Cape, they're part of the, the place of the city where Ubers don't go uh, because it's not safe, you know, because uh, of some of the dynamics. But even if it was safe, Everyone knows that when there's a, a serious taxi strike, there are mm. certain no-go areas. Sure. There are certain places where you just can't just show up as a, as a, as a you know, ride hail app trying to make sure that people get to work. That's the quickest way to have your own car mm. destroyed. Um, and, you know, sure. like insurance may not even cover that. So it's, it's a really tricky situation and there is a lot of economic damage. These are the kind of things that one would hope that we could move away from but it, it really, I think, will require a totally different generation of leaders than the current ones to be on both sides, you know, in the taxi association and um, in the provincial leadership of the Western Cape, because some of this hard approach on both sides, always the people suffer, the businesses suffer, mm-hmm. and there's nothing that people can do. What can you do, you know, as a civilian to persuade Santanko? What can you do to make more Helen Zillin and change mm-hmm. their mind? about how to approach these kind of things. You can only vote and hope for the best. Mm. And what can you do if you are a student writing your exam now? How do you yeah. do that? It's, it's, it's hectic. But you know the good news is that uh, students often can uh, apply for um, a deferred exam on the basis of these kind of things and you will be awarded it. You know, the university will, will, will compensate you um, in terms of giving you another opportunity. But I'm not so sure what happens with my trick exams and, and mm. things of that nature because these things but also there's a the trauma side of it right mm. is even if you can get there there's been a, a lot of trauma for you to get there on the day it's just another element of stress mm. that's unnecessary uh, when you're already going through a very difficult period of time yeah we think about those kids man it's, this is not good uh, because there's also the, the the younger kids who go to primary school there's no mm. scholar transport for them either yeah, it's, it's, it's a big dis- disruption. These are not the kind of things that we should actually still be going through because, like you're saying, parents now have to figure out a whole lot of things and sometimes it costs a lot of money to solve those problems in a, in a, in a, in a dispute that has nothing to do with you and, you know, you're just a customer. You're just trying to get to work. Mm. You're just trying to meet your final deadlines and maybe you've got targets and, you know, they, your bonus depends on it. It's November. You know, these are the last few weeks many people to wrap up the business matters of the year mm. so it, it, it's, it's a bit of a frustrating period and um, you know it's very regrettable that this is happening uh, and perhaps we need to see today uh, some national leadership trying to get involved you know maybe Mr. Figueroa can break this impasse but mm. definitely it's a crisis yeah I think we just have to you know be more vigilant assist protect one another during this period. Now, there's a last one that's trending. Hashtag Senzo Mayua trial. What do we know about this? Because now it has been postponed to the 2nd of May 2023. Unpack this. Yes. 
Yes, so um, the, the taking to the stand of the fourth state witness in the Mayua trial has basically hit a, a snag. What has happened is that accused number one and number two have ditched their attorney as their legal uh, representatives. You know, so Muzi Sibia and Bongani Nganzi are now represented by another attorney. So that's delayed things because, you know, when you change your attorney now, you you have to basically get, give them a new brief, etc. They have to go through all of the materials and, and basically what that effectively does is delays everything. So the court has postponed uh, the proceedings to next year, um, which is one of the big things. And um, the relevance, I think, is that people were waiting to hear from a new witness, you know. Mm. Uh, one of the people who were, who were in the house um, on, on the night that, um, you know, Senator Mayor was killed, that witness was supposed to take uh, to the stand, you know, after the testimony of um, Mayor's childhood friend, uh, Dumelo Matlala, last week. So now we have to now wait um, mm-hmm. to hear that testimony in May of next year, which is, is, is seemingly far. But once there is a delay, um, or a, a disruption of this nature. The court has to look at their schedule and all of the dates that have already been booked because court dates are not like just available, you know. It's, it's, it's not like dating your your, your, your friends mm-hmm. or whatever. Or you can just say, are you free next week? They, the, 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 things get booked up. And then if, if, if there's a disruption of this nature, then people have to go look behind there on the calendar to say, okay, this is what we have available. Mm-hmm. And then this is the closest that they could get. It's also just a, a reminder that our court systems are overwhelmed. Mm. This thing should have been resolved by now. Mm. A trial should not be a three, four-year thing. If you think about the killing of, Der- of, of uh, George Floyd, you know, um, within a year, everything was resolved. And even in America, they thought it's taking too long. Mm. But now look at uh, this kind of a process where the murder occurred now, I think, 2012. And we are still trying to figure out who killed Tanzania? It's almost the same place that we're at with Krisani, if you think about it. Because mm. even this trial has had a lot of um, twists issues. and turns, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it may very well be that these five uh, men are not the people who are responsible for this crime. And we may be back where we started saying, why was this man killed? What was the reason? Who ordered the hit? All of those things we may still never have an answer to. And it's also an indictment, I think, to the quality of investigation um, in the South African police service because we should be having situations where these kind of cases are are closed, Mm. you know. But um, it is what it is, and um, everyone will have to wait now until May 2. Unfortunately, just leads to more and more speculation, more months of online speculation, which Mm. also doesn't help things. But that's where we are. You know, it is their right to change counsel if they feel like uh, their representative is not doing a good job or if they no longer have money to, you know, uh, pay for that particular counsel, they have to then change their strategy. Um, So this is part of, you know, why court processes take a very long time. Oh, you have to feel for the Mayua family. You know, this closure is just being postponed over and over and over. Thank you so much, Mighty Jame, researcher, analyst and social as well as political commentator.